Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you today. I'm Danny Forshee. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Hills, and it's my honor to um, come alongside Brother Trey a few minutes ago and just give you a word of welcome. You should have received this worship guide when you came in today, and if you would, as Trey asked you to, I'd love for you to fill out this guest registration form. Let me know a little bit about who you are and any special prayer needs, prayer requests that you may have. And my wife, Ashley, and I would love to meet you and greet you right here in the Welcome Center uh, right after the service today, if you'd be so kind to do that. And I've already met some first-time guests, and we're just delighted that you are here today. And what a blessing to see a quill uh, follow the Lord in believer's baptism. That was a massive, major major moment. And I think our church, uh, since that, uh, when you see a person take that kind of step of, of faith in Jesus, leaving uh, that, that one life, really, and embracing the life of Christ and following Him in believer's baptism. Maybe you've never accepted the Lord as your Savior. We would love to help you do that. In fact, um, later on today, uh, we'll get to share with a, a young man that prayed to receive Christ with his family just past this past Sunday. And that's why we're here. We are a church for sinners. We are a, not a church for perfect people because there are no perfect people. And, but we have a perfect and an awesome Savior. And we'd love to introduce him to you if you'd give us the privilege also to baptize you as that really is a public way to, to mark your faith, to say, I am following Jesus and I am not ashamed. I'm willing uh, to give him my very life. Now, if you're a member at Great Hills, as I promised you throughout the month of July, I would share with you for just a minute about our finances. And uh, we were talking to some people last night at dinner, members here at our church. And, and as a pastor, it's not that I talk too much about money. I found out that I, don't, I really don't talk enough about it because then sometimes we don't uh, communicate as well as we should about where we are in our finances. And Great Hills, like most churches in the summer, we kind of dip down in attendance and dip down in giving. But something about the bills, they never dip down. You know, they just say, keep on paying me, keep on helping me. And so we want to ask you to keep on being faithful. And again, I'm speaking only to our church members. If you're a guest today, uh, this is not for you. But uh, remember, I also want to share with you that we phased out our building campaign, a building vision, and now we're just focused on our tithes and our offerings and our missions. So thank you for letting me share that with you. And thank you for your faithfulness in giving. I don't tell you that enough. Because you, Great Hills, you tithe and you give your offerings, we are able to do the amazing things really that God has, has called us to do as a church. So thank you. And you can give through our uh, website. And so you're, you're welcome to check that out and our online giving. And thank you and God bless you. Danny Lacey, thank you so much. Rachel, so good to see you guys again. You look amazing and you sounded great. What a, what a blessing to, to have them here uh, with us. Okay, so I have to confess, it, it's been eight years and I've lived in Austin, Austin and I have yet to see the bats, the bats who fly out from underneath the Congress Avenue Bridge and depart for hundreds of miles and go out and eat their moths and their bugs and so forth. And then they make their way back at the break of dawn. But until last Sunday, there was a group of us that went out, uh, about 50, 55 different uh, church leadership here at Great Hills, and we went out and saw the bats. And I got a couple of pictures for you. Can y'all see those creatures? Look at those guys, all in unison. You know, they couldn't be Baptists because they're all in unison. You catch that? They're all, you know, moving together and flowing together. And they're out on a mission. You know what their mission is? To eat. And they are going out in, in rank and file and to eat their bugs they can get up to about 100 miles an hour, check that out, and then they can come back 
and they'll go here in just a few weeks, well really in just a couple months, they'll go to Mexico and they will end up their time here in Austin. They'll go there and then they will make their way back. You know, the guy that was talking to us, he was our guide. I know there's a word for the study of bats. I'm just gonna call it batology, you know, the study of bats. And he told us those, those creatures are so fascinating they can detect something as small as a human hair. I mean, that's how just supersonic and amazing they are. Now here's the bridge and we're right underneath the bridge and they're, they're coming out and they're about to, to go. Now, while we were there, I got a chance to, uh, to share with uh, the boat captain and had an opportunity to share the gospel with him, just talk to him a little bit about the Lord and, and to give him one of our, our cards and invite him to church. And he wasn't that interested. So he wasn't. Why wasn't he interested? Do y'all know anybody like that? Y'all ever try to talk to somebody about Christ or about our church and they're like, thanks, but no thanks. Well, what do we do at that point? Do we lay hands on them and just say, what is your problem? No, we just say, well, thank you for your time and uh, God bless you. Well, I got home that night about 10.30, about 10.40 and I get a text from one of our senior saints. I love to get texts from 80 year olds. It's, it's just really cool. And I read the text and it says these words, and I kid you not, this is the absolute truth. He said, I got to, hey pastor, I got to share the gospel with my valet driver tonight. And he prayed to receive Christ as his savior. And that's the text I get. And then he ends the text this way, for the one. The one. I thought, wow, for the one. And that's what we're about here at Great Hills. We are in a study really for the whole year. I say that, I don't know how long I'm gonna be teaching on for the one until the Lord gives me rest to say, you're, you're done with that, let's move on to something else. But this whole for the one, I hope we never move beyond that because it is a clarion call from Christ that our lives are to be about the one. Of course, he's ultimately the one. We're pursuing him, loving him, and honoring him with our lives. But when we emulate the life of Jesus, when we preeminently emulate his life, the way we look will be the way that he looked. And here's what he did. He was always in pursuit of people. The thing so amazing about Jesus Christ, and there are amazing things about him, is that he absolutely unequivocally loved humanity. He was always about teaching people and helping people and ministering to people, feeding people, healing people and touching people and doing everything in his power to ameliorate, to improve the horrid condition that people are in. And, and as we look at Christ and we call ourselves Christians, right? You know what that word means? It means little Christ, that we are so mimicking him and emulating his life that the life that Jesus lived here on this earth, he's living that life now through us. And so when we meet people, we talk to people. When we see people in need, like I did this week, it was an 80 year old lady and she had a flat tire right out there in, in Wendy's parking lot. And so an, another guy and I, we got out and we just ministered to her and helped her. He had to leave and I stayed with her. And I said, would you mind if I just say a prayer for you? She said, oh, she said, that would be absolutely wonderful. And so I had a chance to pray and, and you just say, well, that's what we're about. We, we see people in need. And the verse that we keep talking about is this verse. And if you're a guest, by the way, thank you for coming. And here's where we've been studying. It's this word right here. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, thank you, Danny, for singing that song, the 99, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness. Does he not leave the 99 and go after, say it with me, church, the, the one. 
Let's say it one more time. Go after the one which is lost until he finds it. Well, this whole for the one theme, it it really has uh, impacted your, your pastor, I have to admit. And I think it's making me a better person and a better pastor because I just don't want to miss any opportunities that God gives me. Now, coming in October... Some of y'all know I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little wired, a little crazy, and I'm going to try to do something I've never done before. I'm going to try to do what's called a half Ironman triathlon. Now, I've done some smaller ones, but this one's going to be the biggest one that I've ever done. Y'all pray for me that I make it out alive, all right? I'll be, uh, I'll be 54 by the time this race happens, and I'll swim 1.2 miles, bike 55 miles, and then run 13 miles and then collapse, right? That's probably what we'll do. But I have a triathlon suit that uh, a sweet, kind, generous church member bought this for me. And I want to I wanna show you all what my suit's going to look like. Y'all ready for this? Here it is on the screen. Great Hills Baptist Church. And uh, there's our logo. And on the back, on the back, it's going to say, say it with me, for the one. And so as my big bulging biceps come out of that suit, you know, and them big thighs, yeah, right. I mean, you know, I'm going to be a witness, and I'm going to have it right here, Great Hills Baptist Church, and for the one. Well, you are serious. If you're going to put that on your clothing, I I really am. And I'm so excited to be able to represent you, and more importantly, represent Jesus Christ wherever I am, wherever I I walk and, and live, so that I can remind myself and hopefully remind you that God has left us here on this earth because he wants to use us to help people, okay? To help people, to love people, minister to them. Today, the one we're looking at is a man by the name of Centurion. We don't know his name. The Bible mentions these Centurions often. There is one guy in the Bible, Acts chapter 10, he has a name. He is called a Centurion, but his name is Cornelius. This guy We have no idea what his name is, but we do know that he is a centurion and that he is in a desperate, really a a difficult situation. He has a loved one. He has one of his servants, one of the people that work for him who's in a paralysis. I mean, he's in a terrible way. And we don't really know what the condition is. We don't know if this is some kind of demonic possession. We don't know if there's some kind of physical ailment, strictly physically speaking, if it's mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We don't know. We just know that this centurion, this Gentile Roman officer for the emperor of Rome, he comes and he asks Jesus Christ, would you please, please, please help my servant. And so today we're just going to stop and we're just going to engage in the dialogue of Jesus and the centurion. And we're just going to extract some principles that we can apply to our own lives as we walk through the city of Austin or whatever city you're from or wherever God may take you this week, and as you just are very sensitive to the people around you, like those bats. I mean, you got your antennas up. And when you see a need or you hear about that, that there's somebody that wants your help, that we'll stop what we're doing as busy as we are and that we will minister to and pray with and encourage that individual that God places before us. Now, when Jesus had entered the city of Capernaum or Capernaum, a centurion, he's a man who has a hundred other soldiers under his watch care. Uh, He is really, when you talk about the centurion of the Roman 
army. You're talking about the literal backbone of Rome. They are the ones who are leading out and they represent the emperor of Rome and they have a lot of responsibility and they are looked up to and they are respected because of that authority and that position that they have. A centurion came to Jesus and he was pleading with him. Now that's unusual because you have a Gentile uh, pleading with a Jew and they usually don't really talk a whole lot together and you have this man who's an officer of the army coming to this rabbi, this teacher, preacher. But the thing is, he's heard amazing things about him. And he's heard that just maybe this man could help my servant who is hurting, lying there on his deathbed. So what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? All, all I can do is go and ask for his help. He may brush me off. He may say no. He may, he may not be able to do anything. But what have I got to lose? All I got to do is go and ask him. And so he says, Lord, Curios, my doulos, my servant, is lying at home, and he's paralyzed. And, and this part here, this dreadfully tormented, makes me think there's some kind of demonic activity going on. He is paralyzed. He is in this dreadful, tormented state. And Jesus said to him, <laughs> And I've read that so many times. Jesus says, I'll come. I will come and I will heal him. Hallelujah, what a savior. I promise you, sir, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna help you. And the centurion answered and he said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should even come under my roof. Listen to the humility in the centurion's voice. But Jesus, if you just speak the word, my servant will be healed. For I, you see, I am a man under authority, having soldiers underneath me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, go do this, and he does it. And Jesus, when he heard him, he thaumatso, is the Greek word, he, he marveled. He was amazed. He was amazed at the centurion, and he said to those who followed, assuredly. Now, when you see that word assuredly in, in your Bibles, um, you, ought to, you ought to have this mental thought in your mind that Jesus is about to say something very profound. It's almost like he says, hold on just a second. I want to make sure everybody is listening to what I'm about to say. Now, in my mind's eye, you have Jesus and the centurion or the servants of the centurion, and then you probably have Jesus' disciples surrounding him. But it seems like wherever Christ went, not only did he have those people who loved him around him, but he also had people who were his enemies around him. And it was not lost on Christ. He knew. He knew who was with him, and he knew those on the outside who were very much against him. Now, what Jesus is about to do is he is about to really infuriate and anger the people who hate him, okay? He is about to say something that you're going to read it with me and you're going to say, wait a minute, I, th there's no way that Jesus Christ, the sweet, kind, loving, gentle Savior that he was, there's no way that those words are going to come out of his mouth. But they do. And they do. Because Jesus, you see, he's not only just full of grace and mercy and compassion and love, he is absolutely saturated with all of that, but he also has the wherewithal and the backbone to be able to tell the truth. And that's a rare commodity today. 
Because we as preacher types, I found that we will, we will gravitate toward one or the other. We will stay in the realm of love and mercy and grace and you love me and I love you. Everybody's fine and everybody's going to heaven. It's our best life now and forever. So everything is wonderful and peachy and kind and awesome. Woo! So man, that's the kind of church I wanna go to. But you really don't. And then there are those of us that are on this side and man, oh man, they're born up. They, I mean, they, they, they woke up and they're burning up with anger and wrath. You bunch of reprobates, you're going to hell. And man, it's a hellfire and brimstone every week. That's what you get. And it's like, it's charged up. You don't really need to go there either. What you need is you need a Jesus church. <laughs> you, need a, you, need, you, need a, you need a balance where you're full of love and compassion, but you also have the wherewithal to speak truth in love, right? And so Jesus said, here it comes. I don't know if y'all ready for this, but here we go. I have not found such amazing faith, great mega faith, not even in Israel. Ooh, son. You mean to tell me this Gentile, this Roman, this officer of of the emperor, you mean to tell, I can just see them seething with anger. I mean, they're the tertiary ones. They're the ones on the outside and they're, they're just taking their notes and they're trying to accuse Jesus and find fault in Jesus. And Jesus says, yep, this guy has more faith than all of you guys. Ooh, son. And then he wasn't finished. He said, I want to tell you something. Many will come from east and west and they will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And they will come into heaven. They are going to heaven. There are many of these people, these Gentiles, these Samaritans, and all these peoples on the planet, they're going to come into heaven, and you are going to hell. <laughs> you say, excuse me? He didn't really say that, did he? Yes, he did. He said, but the sons of the kingdom, you people, you people who think that you're God's gift to the planet because you're born a certain race, because you, you, you live in a certain place, you people believe that you're certainly on your way to heaven just because of who you are, but I'm telling you the truth that you're gonna be cast out into outer darkness. And then there will be weeping, literally in the Greek, it's the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. And then Jesus said to the centurion, I know my word, I'm like, I'm just, I'm just all discombobulated. I said, no, wait a minute. Now he's, he's rebuked these people. You say, well, who were those people? Who were those people that Jesus said, you're not coming to heaven, you are going to hell. Those very people were the ones who hated him, rejected him, they would end up crucifying him, and they were the ones that could not see that God had come in love, that God had invaded our ugly night of sin. They refused it, they rejected it, and they said, we don't wanna have anything to do with you. And Jesus says, and therefore you consign yourself to a place called hell. Then Jesus said to the centurion, I'm like, oh my word, I gotta come back to the centurion, here we go. And Jesus says, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Matthew 8, five through 13. Now, you'll find this passage of scripture also in Luke five, I think it's one through 10. And when you read the two passages of scripture, uh, and let me, let me just go with this right quick. We're going to look at a textual study for just a few minutes. We're going to unpack this, look at this passage of Scripture. 
And if you're, this is just bothering me, y'all. I, I don't, I've got to tuck it in, so excuse me. <laughs> Whoa, it feels better. It's probably going to come out. If it comes out again, then I'm just going to untuck it. Is that okay? Okay, good. I, I know, guys, everybody could diagnose me. I got issues. I just see stuff and it just, it just totally messes me up. Okay, so we're going to look at a textual study and they're going to look at some questions I want to put to you today, okay? Some, some really probing, difficult questions. Now, remember, we're going to try to stay in the sweet balance of grace and truth, okay? The sweet sayings, the easy sayings, the, those things we like to hear, and the more difficult and arduous things that we may not necessarily want to hear, but we know deep down that we need to hear it, okay? So here's this textual study. Many people, when they read this passage of Scripture, they become very antagonistic against the Bible because they will say, well, you see, there the Bible is again. It contradicts itself. It has these discrepancies. It has this, these errors. Because in Luke chapter 5, what happens, it's definitely the same scenario. But Luke says that the centurion sends some leaders of the synagogue, and they go and interview Jesus and talk to Jesus. But Matthew says, nope. It's not those servants that the centurion himself went. And as I've looked at this and studied this, it, there really is no discrepancy at all. I think Luke is right. I think that, that Luke's account is literally the, the people from the synagogue, they are the ones who go and talk to Jesus, but who is the person who sent them? It's absolutely the centurion. So it's as if the centurion himself is talking to Jesus because he's being represented by these, these people. He said, well, I have a problem with that. I think that's a contradiction. Well, it's really not, because think of it like this. Two times in the Bible it says that the mother of James and John asked Jesus, can my boy sit on your right hand and on your left hand up in heaven? But in the gospel, in Mark, it says, no, it wasn't the mom who asked it, but it was actually James and John who asked Jesus. And really, I, I, don't, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, if it's the mom doing the asking, and then that, that's okay. If it's the guys doing the asking, the fact is that, that they ask. Well, here's another one. Let me help you with this. The Bible says that David killed Uriah with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, David did not literally take a sword of the people of Ammon and kill Uriah, but he did give, now watch, this is very important. He did give the command, and so as if, it's just as if he himself did it because he gave the commandment to do it. You say, why would you take five minutes of my precious time and walk through this with me because I'm trying to help you? Because especially if you try to invite people to church or you try to talk to people about Jesus, they'll want to bring up things and say, well, there's contradictions, there's errors, there's problems in the Bible. And if you don't think through these things, they can catch you off guard. I don't see any contradiction, any problem whatsoever. Because here's the principle. Because when you ask someone to do it and they do that in your name, then it's as if you have asked them yourself. Okay, y'all okay with that? Okay, good. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Glad I could, that I could help you. All right, as we walk through this text, I, uh, I'm looking at Matthew 8, 5, and the corollary text in 7, 2 says that what Jesus comes up against here is a man who is a centurion. And I, I want to help you grasp with me just how powerful of a man this is. One writer says, the military backbone of Rome. Throughout the empire, they maintained discipline and they executed orders. These were 
very powerful men. They were stationed all throughout the Roman Empire. And there was one there in, in the Capernaum area. He probably represents Herod Antipas, the Tatriarch of Galilee, the leader of Perea. He is the overseer of this region of land, and the centurion comes up underneath Herod Antipas, and Herod Antipas is underneath, you guessed it, the very emperor of Rome himself. And so when the Rome gives an edict and it comes through the emperor, it goes through these tetriarchs and these governors throughout the Roman Empire, and then it is delegated to the military. And it especially comes to the centurions. So the centurions have a hundred people, a hundred soldiers under their watch care and under their order. So I just want to help you wrap your mind around who this guy was. But here's the thing about this man. He is very, very unusual. I think he's large and in charge. I get that. I think he does have bulging biceps and big thighs, and I think he lays hands on you. It's probably going to hurt you, and because they didn't just ask anybody. I don't know about y'all, but when I see big military guys, I get happy about that. I'm like, amen. I'm glad that you surrendered to this ministry of protection because I'm right. <laughs> Hell, anyhow, I, I digress. Let me go back to the, to the centurions. But this centurion is very different. He's humble and he's trusting. Now, those are not two characteristics that you would normally associate with a raw boned, large, and in charge military officer of Rome. First of all, he's humble. No, 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 Jesus. You, you don't, you, no, please. You, you do not even need to come to my house. You see the deference? You see the humility? Whether it's him saying it or he's asked those guys to say it, they're saying, no, 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 Jesus. Jesus said, I'm coming. They're like, no, no, you don't need to. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a man under authority. I do what the emperor of Rome tells me to do. And when he tells me to do something, I can say to my men, go and do it. And they do it because if they refuse, it's not so much that they are disobeying me, but they're actually disobeying the higher power above me, and that would be the emperor of Rome. By the way, the, the Roman centurions, they were told what to wear. They were told what to eat. They were told where to sleep. They were told where, I mean, they were absolutely under the jurisprudence, under the direct imperial orders of the emperor. But this Roman centurion has the wherewithal, watch this, watch this. He has the wherewithal to say, wait a minute, as I am a man under authority and in authority, I recognize that Jesus Christ, he is a man in authority and he too is under the authority of God the Father. And if God the Father tells Jesus Christ to go and do it, and Jesus Christ does it, then I know that my servant is going to be taken care of. So watch this. Listen to the syllogism and the logic and the brilliance of the centurion soldier. He goes, you don't even need to come. Because if you just say the word, then I know that the almighty God that sent you, it's going to come to pass. It's quite, a, quite an individual, quite a man. And so it does happen. Just as the Bible says, this person's servant, his doulos, would be healed that very same hour. It's amazing. D.A. Carson, a brilliant New Testament theologian, says, so when Jesus spoke, God spoke. 
To defy Jesus was to defy God. This analogy, though not perfect, reveals an astonishing faith that recognizes that Jesus needed neither magic or ritual or any other help. His authority, listen church, listen, his authority, his exousia was the very authority of God. And his effective, his word was effective because it was God's word. And verse 10 says, Jesus was impressed. Now, if you want to know what impresses Jesus Christ, I want to tell you what it is. It's what the centurion had. He had humility and deference, but he also had trust, belief, and faith. He trusted Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He had this amazing faith. And so Jesus just did a timeout teaching timeout. Hold on, everybody. Hold on just a second. This guy has amazing faith. There's another time this word is used, thaumatso, in, in the Greek New Testament. It's in Mark 6, 6, and it says this. And Jesus thaumatsoed because of their, what? Their unbelief. So Jesus, he, he gets really excited or he gets really, he really gets upset based on if we believe or if we don't believe. And then Jesus went about the villages in a circuit teaching. So he's marveled. He was impressed because of the Roman centurion who believed, and he's equally unimpressed when others choose not to believe. And then in verses 11 and 12, what we're doing is we're just kind of walking through the text, all right? Just trying to give you an analysis of this text, amazing text. Verses 11 and 12, this is, um, oh, this is deep, this is rich. But when he said that the many are coming into the kingdom and they're going to be with the patriarchs, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, what he means, what he's saying very clearly is that this guy right here, this Roman Gentile, unclean, unworthy, heathen that he is. That's what you think about him. But let me tell you what I think about him. This guy right here, he doesn't have anything to offer. He doesn't have the law and the prophets. He doesn't have the education, the erudition. He doesn't have all that you have. And you got it all. You got the law and the prophets and the writings and you've got all of this knowledge and information and it's all about me. And I've come to fulfill it. I've come to show you that God is alive and God is real and I'm teaching you and I'm raising your dead and I'm healing your lepers and I'm doing all these amazing things and you refuse to believe. But this guy believes. This guy is going to heaven and you are not. Woo, son. You're talking about make some people mad. They got so mad that they crucified him. And some of you are equally as mad. <laughs> You're like, well, mama, are you mean to tell me that good Jews and good Muslims and good Buddhists and good Hindus are not going to heaven? How in the world could you say that? I didn't. Jesus did. He said that. Did he mean it? Was he kidding? Was he joking? You don't joke about life and death and heaven and hell. Y'all with me? You don't, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear this in the vast majority 
of churches, not even in Southern Baptist churches. And here's why. We're getting away from this. You know why? Because when you talk about the truth and heaven and hell, people don't want to hear that. And guess what? If they don't want to hear it, they won't come. And let me tell you one more thing. If they don't come, they don't give their money. And if they don't give their money, preacher, you don't get a raise. <laughs> you, 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 you're just going to be in big, big trouble because here's what you need to do. Whoop-de-whoop-de-woo. Man, just get up there and say, everything is lovely. We're all going to heaven. Everything is glorious. Let's just eat, drink, and be happy and be merry. For tomorrow we all go to heaven. And Jesus Christ comes and preaches an entirely different message. And we call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves pastors. Ooh, let me tell you something. It was not lost on them. They were infuriated and, in, I mean, so angry. And I'm sure many of them left and said, we're not going to listen to him again. Because Rabbi Joseph down the road, he didn't talk like that. He says that everybody's going to heaven and everything is wonderful. And I'm going to go listen to him because I don't like that guy. And yet Jesus dies on a cross and he comes back from the dead to say, you see, I was telling the truth. Now, here's the thing. You either believe that or you don't. All right, so let's, let's ask some, some hard questions here. All right, good, good. Now that I've got a bunch of you upset, let me, let me ask you some questions here, some questions to ponder, all right? The first question is, we'll pull up on the screen here. How deeply do you really care for people? No, 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 I'm really serious. Are you, do you allow yourself to be interrupted in your busy day? Do you love people enough to absolutely tell them the truth of what Jesus Christ said? I got to be honest with you. For me, I, I get in such... Hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. I'm calling it out. I got my T-shirt. I'm tucking it in. Okay, good. It's all wrinkled. There it is. All right, good. Don't judge me. Just listen. Don't judge me. Um, I get in such a mode. I didn't know I was going to tell you all this. This, this bothers me. That 80-year-old lady I told you that I helped in Wendy's parking lot, and you all said, oh, that's my pastor, bless him. He's helpful, helpful. I bet you changed the tire for her. No, I didn't. The AAA guy did, and I was so happy to see him when he come in, all right? This, this bothers me. I was eating my sandwich, and I was listening to the news, CNN. Don't judge me. I was listening to CNN. I'll turn it over to Fox. When I've had enough of them, I go to Fox. When I had enough of them, I go back to CNN. I'm just, just being real, being real with you. And I was eating my sandwich, and I literally said, I see that lady, she's in need, and I'm going to finish eating my sandwich, then I'm going to go help her. And that's what I did. And that still bothers me. Why, why would you have to finish your sandwich when there's a lady obviously in need and people are honking at her and you can actually go over there and help her? And I say, yeah, I know, but I'm listening to the, this, this is really important. You know, I'm, li I'm listening to political affairs and I'm eating my junior 
cheeseburger and my fries. And so Lord, just hold on just a second and then I will, I will get to it. And I just, I don't know about y'all, but that bothers me and I'm still bothered by that. But get over it, brother. Then you went and you helped and you stayed a long time, yeah? But why does God have to ask me two and three times? Why can't he just say, go do it? And I go do it. And just say, okay, here I am, Lord. This life is not mine, it's yours. But I'm still in process. How deeply do I care for others? Not near as deeply as I think I do. And I see all those halos above your heads. None of you struggle with this. I'm so glad that y'all, y'all, none of y'all struggle with that. No, number two, does Jesus marvel at your faith? Does he go, wow, this is amazing. Guys, look, this centurion, this, this Roman, this, this guy, who say, y'all say he's a Gentile, he's a nobody. I'm telling you, he is amazing because he does something that none of you really get to grasp. You don't grasp it, but he simply believes in me. He says to me, you don't even need to come to my house because if you just say the word, I believe that my servant will be healed. Now, if the miracle was commensurate with the Romans' faith, then he had amazing faith because Jesus healed him. And I just want to ask y'all, do you, do y'all have that kind of faith? Do I have that kind of faith? Well, I'm, I'm 0 for 2. I, I, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. And I, and I wish I could about a thousand every time. Do, do you believe? Do you trust in me? I want to say every time, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. But sometimes I believe Jesus marvels at my unbelief more than he marvels at my belief. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody, but God has done so much for me. God has been so amazingly gracious to me. I mean, God allowed me, it wasn't a, it wasn't a great home, it, wasn't, it, it was a difficult home, but God put me in that home to make me the person that I am today, and I see that as his grace. He allowed me to have a godly mom that would tell me about Jesus. He allowed me to go to a Christian college. He allowed me to come and pastor this great church, and, and he's given me this amazing family, and, and I'm so blessed. And it's almost like God says to me sometimes, if I did all of that, can I not do this? And I'm like, yeah, no, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm a knucklehead sometimes. Forgive me. Okay, now this next one, I actually get this one right. So let me ask you if you do. Jesus believed in hell. Do you? Let me ask you another question. If you really do, does it change the way you live your life? I'm afraid a lot of us are practicing universalists. We say we believe in a hell, but we would dare not witness to our neighbors or our friends or we dare not try to witness to a Muslim because they're actually going to be okay, right? I mean, Jesus, he, he wasn't really serious, was he? I mean, really? If people don't know him and people don't recognize that God has come and God has spoken in the final word and Jesus Christ is it, and if we don't believe in him and trust in him, will you really believe that? Do you? I do. I do. I'm going every time to believe the one who arose from the dead. Alex, if he really arose, he's telling the truth. He's telling the truth and he's telling all of us, listen, I am the way and the truth. I'm the life. 
believe in me and tell your neighbors, tell your friends, you, I can't say your name, I know your name, but you're doing it because you believe. He believes and he's spent his life in a very dark, difficult country because he believes that if those people don't know Christ, there's no hope for them. There's no, there's no second chance for them. Do we really believe that? Let me tell you something. Jesus did. He believed it so much that he, he died for his belief that he was God come in the flesh to redeem the world. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And you are the Jews. And because you're rejecting me, the Father will not let you in. Wow, man. That is a, that's a serious word. I can see some people coming to Great Hills today for the first time, hadn't been to church in a long time. And you're going... Oh, we're getting out of here. That's hard. Because that happens. Every Sunday, that happens. How can you believe that? You believe that Bible? You believe that bloody religion? You believe people are really going to hell? And I do. But I know a lot of you do too. Can I just say this to you and I'm done? If Jesus is right, if he's right, it changes everything. We have to be for the one. We have to be willing to go and to tell and to share and, and to preach this gospel. But if Jesus is wrong, then you and I have spent our lives helping people and sharing a message. It wasn't the truth, but we shared it and we believed it and we helped so many people. And Blaise Pascal, the brilliant mathematician who created basically the calculator, which became the computer, became the computer. He says, it really is a wager, isn't it? And Blaise Pascal says, I believe Jesus is right. And he would live his life that way, and, and, and I do too. Maybe you're here today and you would say, but, but Brother Danny, let me, let me just tell you something. That, that's not the reaction that I have. Because my wife and I, we have been actually looking for a church like this. We, we were actually hoping to find a church even if they have an ADD, goofy preacher, pastor, we were hoping to find a church that's somewhere here centered, not so far over here and not so far over there. You preach about hell, you ought to preach it with tears in your eyes, right? Is that not right? If you really believe it, don't, don't you ought to preach it with tears instead of this gleeful, you bunch of wicked people are going to hell, you know? I, I can't do that because I'm a wicked person going to hell, but for the grace of God, the same grace that is reaching out to you today to listen to this message, to receive it. And you say, I believe it. I receive it. 
this is what we're looking for, then you come. I know we're not for everybody, but we are for somebody. You come and you become a part of our church. Next week, August the 5th, we'll start another new members class. You come, let us teach you, let us encourage you, train you, and you become a part of our church. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, I, I do want to speak for just a couple more moments and then we're going to have our invitation and maybe you're here today and you would say, my heart is convicted of my sins and I recognize that I need Christ. I know that he's the final answer. I know that he is the one and only one who arose from the dead. He died for my sins, so I believe. What do I need to do? How do I, how do I enter the kingdom of heaven? How do I not receive the condemnation that those in Jesus' days received. And here's what you do, friend. You watch the centurion. Please watch him. He has given you the absolute clue to enter heaven. He simply believed. He trusted Christ. He believed that Jesus Christ was who he says he was and that he had the manifest power to do what only he could do. And he raised his servant. You have a choice and I have a choice. We can disbelieve, we can walk away and say, I don't believe it. Or you can say this, I sure don't understand it all, but I sure do believe it. And that's what we're inviting you to do today. Give your life, give your heart to the Lord today. And Father, we do pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, God, that you love us so much that you've left an empty tomb and you've left a book a Bible that we can read and we can understand and we can garnish the truth and say, Lord, it is true. And that you send us out as missionaries to be a light, to be a beacon to the world, not in a harsh, polemic, mean way, but in a way that says, come to Christ, believe on him. He loves you. He died for you. Don't reject him. Don't go to a place that he created for the devil and his angels. Come to a place in heaven through Jesus Christ and his blood shed for you. Lord, I pray that today. And I ask you, Lord, now to bless our invitation. I pray, God, that your, your spirit would fall upon us and that, Lord, we would listen and we would weep when we need to weep. And, Lord, we would laugh when we need to laugh. But, Lord, this is a time where, Lord, we as a Great Hills Baptist Church, we, God, say we, we redouble our efforts. We recommit our desire to reach the one. And, Lord, if they don't want to listen, just let us love them and pray for them. But, Lord, many do listen. And many do want to hear, so help us to capture those moments. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you go ahead and stand to your feet? We're going to have our time of invitation. You want to come to the altar and pray? You come. We're kind of short on pastors today. We got a bunch of pastors out, but I promise you we'll have some other people up here that will pray for you and encourage you. God bless you as you come.